Scripture here this, here this morning in our Bible study today. Sorry, you'll have to excuse me. I'm fighting just a little bit of a sore throat this morning, but we're going to open up 1 Samuel chapter 21, beginning in verse 10. We see this very peculiar story about David. And now, this is taking place before David is anointed, uh, I shouldn't say before he's anointed king, he's He's already been anointed by Samuel, but he has not ascended to the place of becoming king of Israel yet. This is the time in his life that is that interim between knowing the calling of God on his life and fulfilling that calling. And he went through so many tests and trials during this period of his life, it's Seemed as though early on things were going so well, but he quickly learned that King Saul was not too happy about the uh, praise, the adulation that that David was receiving. He became a very jealous man, jealous king, and uh, tried to kill David, and so he was in exile in his own country, and uh, that's what... Uh, we see here to, uh, in this passage, it says in verse 10 that David, he arose and he fled that day for fear of Saul. And he went to Achish, the king of Gath. Now, if you know anything about that city of Gath, if it rings a bell in your in your mind, it's probably because David had fought a battle and killed someone. From Gath, probably the most famous citizen of Gath was Goliath, and this was not a city from Israel, but this was a city that uh, was of the Philistines, and David, he went here to the ruler of that city, one of the five lords of the Philistines, and he was seeking a safe haven, perhaps, since he was not safe within his own country. He was fleeing Saul. But it says here, the continuing verse 11, that the servants of Achish, they said to him, Is not this David, the king of the land? Now, mind you, David was not yet the king, but in their point of view, he might as well have been because he had the favor of so many people in Israel. It says, did they not sing one to another of him and dances and saying, Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. And David, he laid up these words in his heart and he was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So, seeking a safe haven, he now realizes this was not the safest place to go. It seems as though he uh, was not going to be safe after all by fleeing to Gath. And so David does something very peculiar. It says he changed his behavior before them. 
He feigned himself mad in their hands. He scrabbled on the door of the gate. He, he let his spittle fall down upon his beard. And then Akish said to his servants, Lo, we see a man who is mad. Wherefore then have you brought him to me? Have I need, have I need of a madman? That you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence. Shall this fellow come into my house? You see him acting as though he had gone mad. And, and why wouldn't, uh, why wouldn't the king think that he was? I mean, a, an Israelite seeking refuge in Gath and, and not just any Israelite, but one of David's stature. He must have been a madman. He must have been uh, gone mad it's, and had some kind of illness befall him that is causing him to uh, to to try to you know think that perhaps those in Gath would uh, would save him. But we see that David, in this effort, he is able to be freed of uh, or, or is able to to get back to safety and and is not uh, falling into. The angry hands of Achish, the king of Gath. And, you know, it, it makes me think, in fact, I, really this, this makes me think of a, a story my, my dad used to tell me, and I think he had heard it from some of his coworkers years ago, and, um, he had some coworkers, he works, my dad, he works in the, in the trailer factories, and some of these Amish men, they like to fish. And my dad would tell me this story about his co-workers this one day as they were out fishing. And I don't know where it was at, if it was here in the area, or if it was up in Michigan or Canada. It was even up in Canada. Okay. And they were all the way up in Canada fishing. And, and all of a sudden there comes an officer and he's coming to check their licenses. And they all start to pull them out. And there's one guy in the party that... He starts talking to the others. He says, I don't have, I never got my fishing license. And they're like, are you kidding me? You didn't get your fishing license. And, and what are you going to do? And, and he, being quick on the fly, he just all of a sudden starts with his fishing pole just stabbing it into the water. And he's just acting like, like he's just out there and he has no clue what he's doing. And as that officer begins to check all of these men's fishing licenses, he thinks, well, this guy certainly, he doesn't need a license at all. He doesn't know anything that he's doing. He's, he's a madman. He's, he's crazy and he gets by, he gets free. And so he doesn't get caught at all. And it just, it just made me think of that story as, as I was reading through this text here today. David, you can imagine him. I mean, this is a warrior. This is a man that's, he is, he's fought some battles. He's the one who had killed Goliath. And though that may have been, you know, we think of just a young boy killing Goliath. He, he had become, he had become a, a, a good, uh, a good marksman. He was, he was a man that could wield a sword. He was a man who, who would, uh, be able to lead, uh, very quickly soon after this, a, uh, an army of men in battle and, and, and yet we see him feigning mad and he is delivered because of that. Well, at least that's what we think. It's because 
of the ingenuity of this man, David. But if we flip over to the book of Psalms, chapter 34, we get a slightly different picture of how David reflects back on this moment. This time when David was in a dire straits in the time when David needed deliverance. He had been pushed out of his own country because Saul was chasing after him. And he goes there and, and realizes he was now no longer or he was not going to a safe place, that Gath was not going to be safe. And and we see him right in this Psalm chapter thirty four. It begins it begins here with this this heading, this inscription on this psalm that's telling us of the time in which it was written. The uh, Perhaps your Bible has that inscribed. It says, a psalm of David, when he changed his behavior, this says Abimelech, another name for this, this king, Achish, uh, when he, uh, who drove him away and he departed. So this is the psalm that David writes following this experience following in, in the time of, of need of deliverance. He begins this psalm. He says that I will bless the Lord at all times. That his praise shall continually be in my mouth. That my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. That the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. See, David is not pointing to himself as the one who got deliverance from the situation. And this is, I want to talk here this morning and just share some strategies for total deliverance. I mean, is there anybody who you fought some trials Anybody who you've been through some things or perhaps you're even in a situations now where you need deliverance. And the great thing to know is that through God, all things are possible and that we are able to not just not just get temporary relief, but you can receive total, complete deliverance through Jesus Christ. I believe that God is able to carry you through anything that you may face. I just want to uh, take some of these, uh, these, this, this time period in, in David's life and find some strategies for total deliverance. There's seven strategies that we're going to talk about today. This first one is that we ought to praise God through the trial. Praise God through the trial. See, David, he didn't say, I will bless the Lord when everything is all right. I will bless the Lord once he has delivered me. I will bless the Lord after God has taken care of all of my issues and everything in my life as well. No, that's not what David says. David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. It doesn't matter what my situation looks like. It doesn't matter if I'm, uh, if I'm in the greatest time in my life and everything is well. It doesn't matter if, if Samuel had just poured that anointing oil over my head, anointing me to be the next king of Israel, or if I am running for my life 
And I find myself in a place where I thought I might find refuge, but realize that it's just another trap that's been set out for me. I will bless the Lord at all times. That his praise shall continually be in my mouth. That, that at all times I will be quick to praise the Lord. Amen. And, and, and I realize that's, it's not always what comes naturally in the midst of the trial. It's not what comes naturally in the midst of a storm to begin to praise the Lord. But, but when you can dig down and, and realize that this is a strategy for your deliverance is to begin to praise God and say, Lord, I, I still trust you. God, I still want to praise your name. God, I'm not thanking you for the trial. I'm not thanking you necessarily for the circumstance that I'm in and praising that, but I'm going to thank you in it. Right? You don't have to like, like, God, thank you for burdening me with this. God, thank you for, for sending all of this. Now there's, there's times when you, uh, when you realize looking back on things that you ought to be thankful for the test and the trial. You're, you're thankful that God allowed you to go through some things because it revealed some things about Him that you would not have known had you not gone through it. You never would have known God as personally as you do had you not gone through the trial. But there's sometimes when you're in the midst of it, it's, it's hard to find the light in the midst of it. But... When we begin to bless the Lord, when we begin to praise his name and we, it says, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear the, hear thereof and be glad that I want to magnify the Lord. Now that's such an interesting phrase. I magnify the Lord. How, how can we magnify God? How can God get any bigger than he already is? God is, as VeggieTales would teach us, God is bigger than the boogeyman, bigger than Godzilla or the monsters on TV. It's a song that I grew up on. God is greater than any test. God's greater than any trial. God is greater than anything that you could ever imagine. If you've seen over this past week, these images that, that came out from the, the James Webb, Webb telescope and and all of this and the, the majesty of, of all that is there in, in, in the universe. Everybody see those pictures that, that were released? And it's, it's incredible to see how expansive the universe is and how, how amazing the, the things. When we, when those pictures that were taken, it says that they, they pointed the telescope into one of the darkest areas of the sky. If you were to look in one of these, in, in that area of, of space, from here, uh, it, it looks as if there's nothing there. They didn't point it at the nearest star. They didn't point it at, at a place where you see a bunch of stars. No, they pointed those pictures at one of the darkest areas of space. And it, it just showed us that there is so much beyond what we can see and even comprehend. And yet all of that is just summed up in Scripture by a few words. It says, and God made the stars. God, 
All he had to do was just speak. And it, it went into everything was created. All God had to do was speak. And, and yet this God who created all of that, this God who all he had to do was speak and everything came into existence. It says that he looks at me and he knows everything about me. God, he cares about me. Oh, who am I that thou art mindful of me? And yet God is. God loves you. And God, he will. He sees you in the midst of your testimony in your trial and he cares enough about you to, to help you get through every, anything that you're facing. And so how do we magnify God? This God who is so great, this God who is so big, the way that we magnify him is we begin to look at God. You, put, you set your sight, you set your eyes on God, the creator, instead of your circumstance. Instead of the test that you're going through, you begin to look at God. You magnify Him instead of magnifying the problem. See, so a lot of times in the, in the test and the trial, we magnify the problem instead of magnifying God. But if we magnify God, if we look at God in the midst of the trial, then you'll find the source of your deliverance. The source of your deliverance isn't in the trial. It's, it's not in the problem. The source of your deliverance is in the God who is in the problem. So praise God through the trial. Exalt his name. Our second strategy that we see is, is uh, something that we come, if you want to, if you're able to mark that area there in Psalms, because uh, we're going to come back to it. Let's go back to 1 Samuel, and we're going to continue here. We left off at the end of chapter 21. Let's begin now in verse 1 of chapter 22. It says that David, therefore, he departed thence, and he escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brethren and all of his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. Now, this is kind of a reversal of, of roles. We saw early on that David was left out by his father, that he was not um, even thought of as being worthy of, of being brought before Samuel when, when Samuel came to Jesse's house. And it seems as though uh, that David, in his role as the shepherd, as the youngest child, that uh, he was somewhat of an outcast, and uh, yet now we see, because of the exploits of David and the attention that he was getting from Saul, that not only is David in trouble, but uh, his family also must be in trouble. And they go and they find, they get word that David is hiding in this cave, and his his father and his brothers, they go and they find David there. In verse 2 it says, that everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented, they gathered themselves to him, and he became a captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. Now with these 400 men who were discontented, these 400 men who were uh, out of place, out of sorts, and searching for some direction, they bind themselves 
to David. In David, we see he becomes quite a leader for these men. He helps them find purpose. He helps them find direction for their life. He, he really um, helps, helps to, uh, to give them the, the uh, positions in which they can excel. See, if, if, you, if you look through the, the kingship of, of Saul and the leadership of Saul, you see a man who was very self-centered. Saul was a man who, uh, if, if somebody else got the limelight, he was not happy about that. We see that when David starts getting the limelight, Saul goes in this jealous rage trying to kill him. And, and we see that in other aspects of Saul's life where things, everything is about him. But for David, he has these men that join themselves to him. And we see through the leadership of David that he begins to, to allow these men to excel in their capacities. He, he pushes them and he, 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 he makes them great warriors because of his leadership and allowing them to recover. And, and through this, these, these 400 men who had joined themselves to David, uh, we see that not only is he helping them in their uh, find their place and find direction in their life, but they will also help him. And we see that. I've seen that so many times in times when you're going through a struggle, when I'm going through uh, a, a tough time, is, is uh, when I stop focusing merely on myself and my issues and I start to focus on other, on others and invest in others. I see that, that there are, there is still purpose in the midst of my trial. That I can still have purpose and that as I minister to others needs, that, that my needs will be taken care of. I've been there, uh, when even in just, just times of prayer, when when you keep praying over and over for for something that you know seems as though God's not answering the prayer, and you you know, just keep taking it to God in prayer, and and I have found that in those times when I uh, have ex- seeming, seemingly exhausted my own prayers for my situations, when I begin to pray for others and I get the focus off of my own needs and I begin to pray for others that God, He takes care of my needs. He takes care of whatever it is that I need uh, and, and am burdened with and, and as well starts to uh, use me in a capacity to help others and, and begin to pray for the needs of others. And we see that as this uh, strategy for deliverance from your situation. Invest in others around you. Don't get self-focused. Help others recover along the way. Sometimes it's even telling your own story. I'm sure that, that these men, they, they already knew much of David's situation. But David, I'm sure. Certain was able to minister to their needs because they, being discontented and in debt and outcasts, David was the same. And he's able to share his own testimony with them. How many of us have a testimony that that we can share with somebody else and we can help somebody else and tell them, hey, I've been there where you're at, right? I've, I've been where you are. I want to 
to tell you that sometimes it takes trusting God and knowing that God's going to walk through the fire with you. But trust God because I'm there and I've been there. And you begin to to tell somebody else about how God has given you peace in the midst of the storm. Or you tell God about, about the times of your deliverance and, and how God has, has saved you and how God has, has done uh, things in your life. And you begin to share with others what, what God has done for you. And, and that, uh, that testimony of your life begins to help those around you. And in the midst of that, it reminds you of all the things that God has done. And, and you begin to get encouraged yourself. Because you look back and you say, oh, yes, I do remember when God brought me through this. And I do remember when that one time when God helped me through that test and that trial. And I remember that God has never failed me. Help others when you're in the place where you are needing deliverance and God will help you. We see, continuing on in this, (coughs) if we go back to Psalm 34, this passage that David wrote following this situation, it says that I sought the Lord and he heard me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Strategy number three for total deliverance is that you seek the Lord. Seek the voice of God. Don't depend on your own, uh, your own Intelligence don't depend on your own uh, capacity to get through situations. Seek the voice of God. Spend time in prayer. Allow God to to uh, lead you and guide you in the midst of the of the situations that you are in. It says that David sought the Lord and God heard him. God delivered him. Now, what does it say? God delivered me from all of my fears. Now, David was still in a situation where uh, not everything was perfect after this, but every fear that he had was dispelled because God, because he sought God and God was able to deliver him from the fears that he, that had gripped his life. And it says that God was able to, uh, to speak a word of life into David. If we uh, advance that story just a bit back in 1 Samuel, and we go down to, uh, to chapter 23, we see that David here, now he's with these 400 men who had gathered themselves to him, says that they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines, they fight against Keilah, and they rob the threshing floors that are there. Now, Keilah is this city of Israel. The Philistines are trying to are coming up against it. And so David, he inquired of the Lord and he said, shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, go and smite the Philistines and save Keilah. David's men, they said to him, behold, we're afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we come to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? They were Still living in some fear of, for their life. They've been hiding out in this cave in this out country of, of Judah. And 
now they're going to come out and and be be known as as men who had joined themselves to this outcast David, and they're going to go and save this city uh, from the attack of the Philistines. And David again inquires of the Lord, and the Lord answered him, and he said, "Arise." Go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into thine hands. David is needing some direction from God, even in the midst of, 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 of danger. He received a word from the Lord. He was still in a place of, of danger. He was still in a place where he needed, uh, where, where, you know, his, his life was, uh, was in danger, but, but yet he sought God for, for what he needed to do. And, and God gave him clear direction for the next steps in, in his journey. He gave him clear direction and purpose for that period of time in his life. God is saying, I don't want you to hide out where you're at any longer. You've heard about somebody who needs your help. Go and help them. Well, sometimes we can get so locked up by our circumstances that we feel as though we can't help anybody because of what we're facing. We need deliverance from our situation. And David, in that very place, needing deliverance from his own situation, locked up in the cave of, cave of Adullam, he seeks God and God says, go and help somebody else. Get out from where you're at. I know that you are still facing some tests and trials, but I need you to get out from your hiding place and go to where you are purposed to go and, and, and realize that there is a work that I have set out for you. He sought the voice of God in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his tests and trial, and God gave him clear direction for what to do. Now, what is that clear direction for your life? I, I don't know exactly, but you seek the voice of God, and God will give you clear direction. When you are in a place where you feel helpless, or when you feel as if you can't extend a hand out to help somebody else because you're facing your own stuff, and you have your own baggage, seek the voice of God. There are times when, when God, when you seek the voice of God, when God simply comes and he says, just stand, stay where you're at and let me begin to let the balm of Gilead begin to come over and that oil that's, that is needed to, to soothe your pain and your, and your, your issues that you're going through. There's times when you need that uh, that healing process to take place. But there's other times when you begin to seek the voice of God. And he says it's time to go. It's time to get out from the cave. And to minister to the needs. And live in, live in the purpose in which I have called you to. That's, that's what happens when you seek the voice of God. It, it sometimes goes contrary to what you would think God might say. But God here gives David clear direction for what to do. Now, the next strategy for total deliverance follows that one right up. And it's after you seek the voice of God, you need to obey God immediately. We see... After David uh, heard that word from the Lord, it says that David and his men, they went 
to Keilah and they fought with the Philistines and they brought away their cattle. They smote them with a great slaughter. And so David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. That David obeyed the voice of God. That when God spoke, he wasn't, he didn't have to contemplate it any longer. He didn't have to, uh, to, to wonder, you know, what do I do now? God said to do this. No, he was confident in what God said and he went and obeyed the voice of the Lord. Obviously, David also write about this in that, that chapter of Psalms. Verse 6, it says that this poor man, he cried, and the Lord heard him, and he saved him out of all of his troubles. And the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, and delivereth them. So, so taste and see that the Lord is good. When you taste and see that the Lord is good, you realize that blessed is the man that trusts in him. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Blessed is the man who obeys God because you trust him. You hear the voice of the Lord to give you direction in the midst of your trial. And instead of contemplating, okay, now what do I do? You say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I hear your your, your voice, God, I feel the tugging of, of your spirit to, to, to help me or to, to lead me in this, this place where I'm at. And, and God, I'm going to trust you in the midst of my trial. I will obey you and go immediately to, uh, to what you are asking of me. So fear the Lord, ye saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The fear of the Lord is obeying what God would have you to do. It's trusting that God is, is going to be there with you when, in whatever he would ask of you to do, that, that God will go with you. That He says, oh, fear the Lord, his saints. There is no want. You are not going to be in want when you fear God. Now, if you, if you uh, hear the voice of God in prayer and you do not act upon it, now... There's all kinds of things that you're still going to be in want of. When you're in the midst of seeking deliverance and you pray to God and say, God, I need a way out of this. And God speaks a word to you either through his scripture or in your time of prayer or through the man of God that would speak into your life and you disobey it or you don't act upon it. You're going to stay right there in the middle of your situation. But when instead you act upon the word that God has spoken to you, God is bringing you into to a place of total deliverance. He's bringing, now, now that total deliverance, it may be just a step in it, but you're, you're coming out of this place where you are stuck in. And you're coming out of this, these, these uh, trials that you found yourself in. Obedience to God is what's going to bring you out of the test and the trials. Obedience to God is going to bring you to deliverance. Our fifth strategy here is that we would depart from evil. You know, turn back to that book of Psalms. It says, skipping down just a few verses to verse 11, it says, come ye children, hearken to me and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. 
What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. It says, depart from evil. Keep your tongue from evil. Stop speaking the things of evil. Stop speaking things in your situation, in the midst of your situation, that are going to progress the very hurt that you're in. Stop speaking things out in, in your, your test, in your trial, that's going to just magnify the problem. It's kind of going back to what we had said before. Magnify the Lord. Give God all the praise. Stop speaking about the evil and start speaking about the goodness of God instead of the test and the trial that you're in. Let's depart from the evil place. Depart. Now, I'm not saying that every test and trial that comes your way is because you're in sin. But every good, good thing comes down from the Father above. And so if you are in something that is, that is a, a that you're needing deliverance from, then that is something that uh, you are, you are speaking the words of life rather than the words of death into that situation. Stop speaking so much about the situation that you're in and the evilness of everything that is causing you the trouble. Instead, let's start to speak the goodness of God. See, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy in the evil way and the froward mouth. God says, I hate that. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. This is what God is, is calling and asking of his people that we would hate evil. It says in James 4, 7, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. When the devil is attacking you, resist the devil, resist the things that are coming your way, the attacks of the enemy. And it says he will flee from you. If you're seeking deliverance, resist the devil, resist the things that are, that are evil. Don't, don't allow those things to be in your mouth. Don't allow those things, come on, to be part of your life. Let's, let's submit yourself to God and resist the devil. Better get strategy number six. We're going to read that, especially that last part of that uh, verse 14 that we had just read. It says, depart from evil, do good, to seek peace and pursue it. Strategy number six is that we would pursue righteousness. Seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. Verse 17, the righteous cry, the Lord hears it and delivers them out of all of their troubles. Pursue righteousness. It's not enough just to depart from evil, but when you depart from evil, let's pursue righteousness. Let's pursue God. Let's pursue peace with God between us and God. If you are in the midst of a trial, let's pursue righteousness. Let's pursue the God of all creation. Let's pursue him for God is great and greatly to be praised. It says in second Timothy to flee the youthful lust, but follow righteousness, follow righteousness. This 
These are strategies. Now, I said as I began this, uh, this study this morning that there are seven strategies that I have for you today on uh, obtaining total deliverance, but you're going to have to wait for the seventh one because that's going to come in our second service today. We're just going to talk about that seventh strategy for obtaining total deliverance in our second service today. But today, as we have these six things that uh, that we can come to if we would praise God in the midst of the trial. Come on, is there somebody here today that you can lift up the name of Jesus in the midst of your trial? I wonder if we could do that here today as our, as our uh, piano comes here today just to, uh, to uh, lead us out in, in a song. I wonder if we could just lift up the name of Jesus. Come on, no matter what you're going through. Well, if there's somebody else that you've been, that God has been laying in your heart, maybe you can even think of them right now in this moment. You can begin to pray for them. If you could seek the voice of God right now in the midst of your test, your trial, and say, God, I need some clear direction from you. And yes, he begins to speak to you. Would you obey the voice of the Lord? Would you go immediately in, in, in action for what God is asking you to do? If there's anything in you that is, uh, that is evil, would you depart from that and begin to pursue righteousness? Come on, is there somebody here today as we close out this service who would take the lead of David in the midst of needing deliverance? Come on, he sought after God. Why don't you just lift up your hand here today? Do you just cry out to the Lord here today? Oh, for he is good. God is great. He's greatly to be praised. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on. Is there somebody here right now who is facing a situation that you need God to intervene? Would you, you need God to come and to, to help you? Come on to find a way out. Maybe for you, it's been a long trial. It's been something that you've been facing for some time. Come on. You know that God is with you. He's never left you, never forsaken you, but you're still saying, God, I need out. God, I need a way out. Oh, would you just lift up the name of the Lord here today? Let's magnify the Lord. Let's magnify the Lord here today. Oh, I'm not looking at my test, my trial. I'm not magnifying the problem. I'm not speaking evil. I'm not speaking about the test. I'm not speaking about these things. Instead, God, I'm going to speak about you. Come on, let's lift up the name of Jesus.